After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome to Mind Rolling. We're back. Dave Silver and Raghu Marcus. And we have a surprise guest today. Our guru, Duncan Trussell from the Duncan Trussell Show. You know, Raghu, I figured out that uh, people who are actual gurus make fun of depraved <laughs> people by calling them gurus you figured that out yeah there's yeah. some kind of there's some kind of rightness to that thought absolutely <laughs> you know and it's just more phonies from one end to the other um oh duncan ha we since he's last been with us he has been very very busy and he's been doing this show with joe rogan who uh has is an uh, amazing guy and has an amazing podcast and most of you probably already know about joe so i ain't going to say nothing except that he and duncan are close and yes. he had a show on sci-fi and duncan's going to tell us a little bit about that because uh it's going to lead to some other interesting thoughts yeah so go please tell us duncan so the show is called Joe Rogan Questions Everything, and it was basically a – it was us going around the country exploring some of the most popular conspiracy theories out there. So we went looking for Bigfoot. We went to the desert looking for UFOs and secret government UFO bases. We investigated whether or not the – government is engineering weather. Uh, we looked into the possibility of a uh, an apocalypse caused by bioterrorism and uh, psychics. We investigated psychics. And also the most interesting one was we went to this thing called the GF 2045, which was a conference put on by the Russian billionaire Dmitry Ichkov, who's trying to obtain immortality and he's brings basically just he brings together famous geneticists i mean really famous brilliant mm. like people on track who are on track to possibly get no a nobel prize for their work and studying the human genome and uh the human brain and that was my favorite that was my favorite episode because it was the uh, all everything else is pretty much ridiculous or at least the people that we came in contact with didn't have substantial evidence to back up their claims but the stuff that's happening in the fields of genetics and the stuff that's happening with robotics and 
human brain emulation mm. and what's called neuroprosthesis, which is putting the possibility of putting tiny, tiny nanocomputers in the human brain to record memories. That stuff is definitely happening. Mm. And that was thrilling to be around these scientists who are just, I don't know, it's just they're flushed with excitement over where uh, the where the roller coaster we're on is the hill it's about to go down or up. Yeah, but what is this? So this is about uh, long long life, right? This is all about long life and not well, just about long life. It's it's transhumanism is what they call it. And so it's sort of the idea that it's the, the idea that hum, human beings are in a kind of chrysalis phase right now. And the earth is sort of this cocoon that a life form that's this unified consciousness is about to explode out of. And technology is uh, an intermediary phase that is going to bring us into this sort of unified geo mind. Hmm. And, you know, the internet, of course, is an example of that. But then it's not stopping there. It's, I think a lot of psychonauts were really into this idea. I think Timothy Leary in particular was really into the idea of yeah. VR. Terrence McKenna was really into the idea of uh, the singularity. And it's interesting to hear lectures from especially McKenna because he was sort of prophesy. He knew about this stuff back when he was using a, 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 an Apple computer in the 90s. You know, he could predict this stuff. And then when you see it really happening, it's – really eerie and terrifying and exciting all at the same time. Well, you know, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, is, of course, we, I was uh, over at Emory with, I mean, as part of an audience with uh, him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he's doing, a, you know, there's a lot of work that he is involved with uh, where science is proving out some of the quote-unquote uh, um, well, certainly the effects of meditation and the effects on the mind, on the body, on health, on uh, you know a host of other things. Of course, that the Tibetans have been uh, talking about for thousands of you know, well, uh, fifteen hundred years, and so he's very much you know into uh, that direction of of where science and spirituality come together. Uh, so this this seems like a more extreme uh well doesn't it start doesn't it start with you know soldiers coming back from afghanistan with no legs or uh, the boston marathon bombing whatever and then having these prosthetic things doesn't it duncan isn't this some kind of saying oh well that's just nothing that's just primitive stuff but eventually uh, by you know through biotechnology and then through uh, various forms of electronic devices people will have legs They'll be able to manufacture and clone legs, put them back on the body, and then the brain will operate the leg. It'll be a whole different universe on That's every it. level. I mean, one of my children has a problem, you know, uh, an org organ problem, uh, and, you know, it could not be solved by surgery or whatever. And she said to me recently, my God, Daddy, I hope I'm alive long enough to get a clone of that organ so that they can reinsert it in my body, and it would change her life, her life on the planet, this incarnation, you know, it would change it radically and it would be nothing but positive right isn't that kind of what they were what the early stages of what they're talking about not the singularity or the terence mckenna deal 
but the pragmatic use yes. of you know, tell us about where they're at on that well they they the interesting thing what you're talking about is when when i was interviewing one of these one of these scientists and go you know sort of doing like hippie babble about like man we're going to be able to <laughs> experience what it'd be like to fly when he's talking about you know um the idea of being able to use neural prosthesis to uh transfer the mind into a different reality he you could see that he he wasn't thinking about that at all what he was thinking about was all the people who are laying in hospital beds right now with what's called locked in syndrome who are completely aware but can't mm. communicate at all. Mm. And people think that they're in a coma when they're in fact fully, fully aware. Kind of like in a their consciousness is like a person trapped in the basement of a building when after an earthquake who's trying to let the people walking outside know that they're there and they can't. And so he was, you know, that's what these science, that's what's really beautiful about it is it's like, I'm more of a hedonist. And whenever I, you know, what, whenever I encounter some new technological idea, I always translate that into, I'm going to be able to experience what it's like to have sex with 50 women at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Voicing every man. You know, Duncan, yeah. Duncan, I just bought a book about the flying llamas of Tibet. It's the most incredible book with amazing paintings from earlier times. And it's about the flying llamas who were able to fly and just yeah. flew all over the place. Now, wouldn't it be like cheaper to teach people to meditate 12 hours a day like a llama and then fly instead of inventing machines? I'm just putting it out there, that's all. Well, I mean, you know, I think that the... the what, there, when you talk about the Dalai Lama and his interest in science, which has been going on for a while, yeah. uh, I think what you're seeing there is a manifestation of these two, what used to be these very divergent uh, ways of thinking, unifying. You know, it's like they sort of had to go separate ways and now they're coming back together in this strange wedding which is this wedding of, you know, the spirit and matter. And there's so many different ways to communicate with people. And some people only understand matter. They don't even understand any, they don't know, they don't think about anything other than what they see in front of them or the material universe, or they don't understand that. Whereas people like the Dalai Lama or people who have been meditating and they've stumbled upon something that's a million times bigger than anything that matter than, than what matter is. And um, so I think that what's interesting about this, this kind of technology that's coming out is that it's going to show people that they're not their bodies, but in a very different way. Right. You know, which is, is, mm, you know, interesting. So, mm -hmm. um, but it's still the, I mean, but I, it, it, I don't know what, what the end result's going to be. I think what you're saying is exactly right. It's, it's like, look, yes, it it's the idea of like a, the hell of hungry ghosts, you know, like here is a, a place where you have this ravenous appetite and anything you can think of, you get to eat. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and then through that, and, and you would think, oh, that's paradise, when quickly you realize from this ravenous appetite and this endless consumption that there's no pleasure gained from eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. It's just a sort of, um, it's an empty diversion, you know? And so in that way, I think that perhaps one of the gifts that this kind of technology will give people is by quenching their desires uh, that's in very, every single way. Yes. Very, very great take on very that. Very astute. Yeah. Yes, uh, I like thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, it, this reminds me of something. I mean, these people are, you know, so these people and these scientists are, are, are making great headway, and I'm sure all of this is going to happen. And I think you're absolutely right. It's going to happen, and it's going to fulfill a lot of fantasies that will end up, you know, at, at a closed door again. Because ultimately, knowing oneself is, is the... Uh, is the realization that we really all want, whether we know it or not. Um, so, this is interesting. Let's. Uh, I did a podcast a few days ago with you know I do for for the Love Server Member Foundation folks. I do a podcast as you all know with Ramdas, where I pick specific parts of talks on a certain subject, and you know we I just sort of ruminate about them. So I did this uh, a few days ago. Actually, I think it's just going up today on ramdas.org. Uh, that won't mean anything to you because I don't even know when this podcast is going to. It'll be out next week. So in some kind of uh, uh, continuation world. Um, and he talked about energy. Okay? Yeah. And that, that fabri the fabric of the universe is a certain intelligent energy. And we call it different things, from God to, you know, the Buddhist pure mind. Uh, and so he, he talked about how in realizing oneself and becoming completely one, you become then one with that energy when you become completely realized. You have no attachments. There is nothing holding you within this physical frame. And so you... You then, uh, and he, the, the only example, you know, instead of thinking of this as some kind of, you know, you read a book kind of deal, we, we actually have an example in that we are with a being who did realize, who was realized, uh, Neem Karoli Baba, and we call him Maharaji. And uh, so Ramdas told a story of uh, Maharaji used to go around to people's houses. I mean, this is famous, and this story actually is told many times because it happened to different people in different parts of India. The same story. I mean, it's a you know a crazy thing because I've heard it from different. I've heard a story from somebody that was the same story as from this other person. Maharaji came. He would go to people's houses all the time, and they would feed him, and that was a great uh, joy and blessing for them. And then he would literally eat like, you know, 10, 12 meals in one night because he'd go from house to house and they all wanted to give him these elaborate, you know, 18 course Indian meals, which yeah. is why he became pretty fat. Anyhow, at one place he went to, the people thought to themselves, we don't want him to leave. So 
well, you know, they, they begged him to stay overnight and finally he acceded. And the, uh, they were also trying to protect him from anybody else constantly getting at him and asking for, you know, these, you know, most of the time Indian people, when they were with, uh, you know, a guru, would ask, I need, my daughter needs to get married, I need to, you know, my son needs to matriculate, my business needs help, and it's all, it was all worldly stuff. In fact, we were told at one time, that he gives easily. Secrets of the heart is another matter. Anyhow, so they put him in a room and locked the door so that nobody could get at him, and I guess in the back of their minds, they were thinking, good, no, he'll be here, and then we'll have him in the morning, and then we'll see him off. Sometime early in the morning, they went to see, you know, see, you know, get him whatever he needed. Of course, he wasn't in the room. And they freaked out and they ran out and up, you know, up the street, so to speak. I mean, I think it was a village, so it was uh, near forest. And someone came running, came, came running from the other direction saying, we, I just saw him not 15 minutes ago walking through the forest on his way somewhere else. So this, and you know, he used to do that. He did this. He was put in jail by the British. There's a whole other story. Uh, It's uh, this guy, Colonel McKenna. I mean, I even remember his name. And they put him in jail for being a vagrant, right? And then next thing they know, he was standing outside the jail. And and McKenna went, what, are you crazy? Uh, Who let him out? And they kept putting him back in the cell and he'd keep coming out. And this guy, Colonel McKenna, a British soldier, became a great devotee of his. And that was obviously the purpose in that one. So this, he's done this before. And Ramdas said, so once uh, in this talk, once you are, uh, you're in that relationship with energy where you are absolutely, completely free to be able to, for that energy and you to be not anything, not two, but one. Um, so at that point, Maharaji's mind could create matter because of that relationship to energy. And since energy underlies matter, he is in the position to reorganize matter according to his will. And that's how that miracle, that's how any miracle works because there's no space time boundary, Right. And then Ramdas said, and this is the most interesting part, and this was really what about his whole talk was about this. Okay, whose will? And then it 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 can only you can only have it all if you give it all up. So it's no longer my will, it's thy will. Right? Whatever in yeah. of course in the Christian sense, and you know, the Buddhist would say something they would give a different explanation for the same same thing. And that's the key. Obviously, Maharaji needed to take that act of walking through those walls. That was part of the, you know, the energy intelligence that needed to happen for those people, whoever was there in whatever way they needed it. The guy that he walked out to see, he had to see somebody because they needed that. Whatever it is, we could never know. But that that is, uh, I th- you know, anyhow, so it's an excellent talk, and it's very uh, much more expansive. And he talks about how we dip into understanding that and how we did through psychedelics. And that, that is our beginning to understand how energy interconnects absolutely everything. Wow, yeah, that, that, is, a, that is a great way in. And, you know, after having b- done this show and encountered so many skeptics and then becoming skeptical, 
myself. And in, in that course of being skeptical, you know, thinking about Maharaji and trying to uh, apply a lot of what, you know, many of the skeptics were saying to the stories you you told me, I went through a kind of weird cynical phase. And, um, and but, but then, but, you know, I mean, it's such a strange thing, this Maharaji, this Neem Karoli Baba figure. Uh, and what and what you guys are saying, which I I believe a hundred percent. And the more that I chant, and the more that I like, you know, meditate and think about him and the impact he's had on my life, just through Ram Dass and you, like how much better my life is. It's it's amazing, and it's all connect. It all goes back to him. I mean, you have to like if you're going to be open minded, or if you're going to be if you approach things scientifically, then you 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 don't just take into account all the reasons a thing might not be, but you also have to take into account all the reasons that a thing is, you know, and 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 what you know for sure, and what I know for sure uh, is that, uh, you know, my first my first encounter with this kind of stuff was through Be Here Now, and then that led me on this very strange, you know, philosophical leapfrog game i guess from one thing to the next to the next but then it all connects back to that person you know and so then you think wow what whatever that person was he's definitely a volcano of happiness in the sense that man i i mean it, it it's a very strange thing it really is i don't know i i might not be articulating it right and i'm a little embarrassed to talk about it because i don't want to feel like i'm giving some kind of weird hippie hippie testimonial but I will tell you something that happened to me recently, um, and uh, everyone's uh, fine. Let everyone think I'm crazy. I don't care. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, because um, you know, I've, I chant. I have a picture of Neem Karoli Baba, and in the morning, I'll, I'll try to meditate or chant in front of it, and I don't do that all the time. I, but I try, and uh, and then and then I've been walking my dog and chanting at the same time, and then. Uh, and then I've been thinking, I've been watching the dog and thinking a lot about mindfulness because I've been reading Polishing the Mirror and thinking about mindfulness and how that dog is like my ego. And I'll watch the dog and the way the dog instantly reacts to anything. You know, if there's a do another dog in the a yard, bang, just like pure anger, you know, and, 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 and defensiveness. And then... Um, any distraction immediately the dog will notice or look and then and then you know sort of how the dog uh reminds me of my ego because sometimes i'll realize the dog is walking me i'm not walking the dog the dog's walking me because i haven't been paying attention and the dog's like sort of dragging me here and there wherever this little chihuahua wants to go it's just a little chihuahua but can exert so much power and uh but the anger thing is what i've been really dealing with in myself mm. and uh sort of you know the more you meditate the meditation is not a pleasant thing the more you meditate the more you start seeing these weird internal structures that you've been ignoring and i keep running up against this big angry part of myself and it and and uh and and you know all these habituations like i i've just been a jerk for you know so long to different people like my mom or like in you know endless girlfriends where I'll just go become reactionary and become this asshole and all the and, and it's just because I'm letting this angry part of myself come out so so I've been thinking about that in relation to the dog here's my weird story so I'm walking the dog 
and uh, this strange couple comes walking up to up the, the the by the river where I walk. This woman is holding a dog in her arms, and there's this guy wearing this wide brimmed hat, and he, he he's got this like gray beard, and he he's got a he's got a dog that he's walking, and my dog sees his dog and just starts growling and barking, and I look up at the at this man and and he th- he looks at the, my dog's reaction and this whoop, la- this loving like laugh comes out of him and this big smile comes on his face and then he keeps walking and I'm walking and I'm like man who did that guy remind me of that guy looked exactly and then I'm like holy shit that guy looked exactly like Maharaji exactly yeah. like Neem Karoli Baba and, and you know by then of course they're way gone but. I was thinking, wow, that is that how I'm supposed that way he reacted to my dog's anger was mm. this very loving, authentic laugh. You know, it wasn't like it was very it was a it was very strange, you know, but it was a very sweet it was a sweetness. It was I don't know how to explain it. Now, was that Neem Carolee Baba I passed by the LA River? Who knows? But something about getting in this kind of relationship with this person, if nothing else, it allows you to begin to project those things in, onto the world where moments like that bring answers to you, you know? Like, instead of reacting to my anger in this fierce, stern way that I had been doing, sort of like, what's wrong with you? Look at this poison inside of you. If I could manage to look at it in that way that that man was looking at my dogs barking in this really sweet way where it seemed funny and not like a big deal, you know, not like the biggest deal, not like a catastrophe, but just it's a chihuahua barking. Mm. It's you know do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know I know totally what you're saying, and actually you're just uh, elucidating really what. all of us can take advantage of day to day is just what you've done, which is make a commitment of uh, to awareness. And once you make that commit, that's the relationship with a guru, by the way. It's just you make a commitment to awareness so that everything that comes along your path all day long uh, and as much as you can be in that awareness, which so that your vantage point is from you know, the spiritual heart. It is not from your mind, which reacts all the time. So once you are committed to that awareness, then lots of really great stuff starts to show up in the guise of, in this case, your guru, but it doesn't have to be. It could be in the guise of who, whatever spiritual friend you have out there. Yeah, it's, yeah I mean, spiritual it's, friend. Yeah, I mean, be here now, it's stopping the world. I want to get off. And just being in the awareness of the moment, you don't need no guru other than maybe you've read Ramdas or heard his name or even not. But once you get into the presence and the prescience that comes from being in the present, then remarkable stuff happens. I mean, I, I'm fascinated by what you said because you saw the dog as your ego. And then this this man in the wide-brimmed hat even if he wasn't in Kerala Baba, you probably wouldn't have thought of him the way you did if you you didn't have some uh, implant in you of Neem Kerala Baba and others. 
And then you see exactly. things differently. I mean, in other words, you perceive things. Another, you know what? I read something a couple of days ago. I don't know who wrote it, but it's, I've seen it a lot of times. It's like, don't listen to anybody who criticizes you when you believe passionately in something. Don't debate. Don't debate. Because as soon as you get into the debate, it's sick. I had a debate with someone recently who was saying that Buddhism, he hated Buddhism. He was a social, very, you know, activist person. Because Buddhists are all, you know, ingrown and self-absorbed and all they care about is whatever. And I had an argument with him about it. So that's not true. Buddhists are about compassion and wisdom. And they're about all, everyone else. And he couldn't get it at all. And we ended up looking at each other and me going, you know, got to go. And I was actually a little pissed off because he wouldn't give an inch on it. He wouldn't understand that he didn't understand anything about the essence of Buddhism. And maybe I was being arrogant, but the fact is, debating this stuff, like you were saying before, Duncan, you know, I don't care if they think I'm crazy. Because it doesn't matter. Because people are what they are, and they know what they know, and they think they know what, who they are. And, you know, we've all got that problem. What's most fascinating about what you said was how much anger you saw in yourself, and how much you want to rectify that in some way. I think well, that's the act of the guru. I do. I, 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 I you know, with those, de- the thing you're talking about, the debate with this, with the inevitable debate, whatever it is, I, I've been listening to this Pima Chodron audiobook, mm-hmm. and she talks about when the anger comes up to forget the storyline mm. and just address the anger and, and, you know, practice this sort of compassionate, spacious mindfulness when the anger emerges. And uh, so when you get into a debate, over Buddhism or, or, or spirituality with someone. And all of a sudden this, what Pima Chodron calls that propensity to be angry sort of comes up in the midst of this debate. Then you realize, Oh, the, these words that I'm saying are meaningless. Mm-hmm. All that's really happening right now is I have activated my propensity to anger and now I'm just going into the same old seizure that I've gone into my whole life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, 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 and so, so that's a funny thing to happen when you're actually talking about Buddhism and then you realize, oh, I'm, all I'm doing right now is just venting this same angry damn thing. Or like, I, you know, my, my, my brother and I will get into debates about Obama. And I realize that it's like the Obama thing is just, you know, like when you give your dog a rope and you pull the rope and the dog growls it's like that's what obama is between me and my brother it's just <laughs> some rope that we can put our clench our angry mouths on and pull against each other and growl at each other for a second yeah it, it has nothing to do with the, the what the the subject in between the two growling mouths is pointless it's like look at what you're doing you're just growling and that's I think is that's what Buddhism or uh, this sort of relationship with the guru, this mindfulness is the idea of like, forget whatever the thing is that you're growling about. Look at the growl. Look at the way you feel. And then just somehow from just doing that, it begins to, it, it creates at least a tiny, tiny little shift though. Gap. I mean, I, they call I, it the gap. The Gap. Yeah, Trungpa Rinpoche, who we love, <laughs> that was his big thing. It, you know, in the meditative moment, because you, you use meditation, you do meditation, and eventually, you know, once in a very, very long blue moon, there's a gap where you're not having any cursor, cursor you're not caught in thought, 
You're not caught in your body, emotion, none of it. And there's a gap for a millionth of a second. And the idea is to enlarge in that gap. And that gap is where it's at. That's what it's all about. Wow. Enlarging. That's so cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah, that gap. It's so funny that, God, man, like, it's so funny when you start doing this mindfulness. And, man, this is all, I mean, I mean there's a combination of stuff that happened to me. I like I uh, I smoked dimethyltryptamin, and I guess somewhere after that, I started reading this Ramdas book. <laughs> How appropriate! And, yes, and and uh, yeah, man, it really created a lot of a lot of change for me. Where I've really been watching, and but that gap you're taught that that gap because it's like you'll see for one second you won't react, and it might not sound like a big deal. But if your whole life has just been a reaction and you find this one tiny little moment where you're you're not you're at least aware of the fact that you're sliding down this muddy hill, it's so psychedelic. The other and also it creates this like, you know, I was really feeling very proud of myself because I'd been meditating every day and not eating sugar and just really feeling like, man, I've you know what? I'm re- I really am. I guess I really am Raghu's guru because I have <laughs> truly gotten to the top of the peak here. And then I'm, I'm, uh, so I'm having, I had some friends over and of, of, you know, for whatever dumb reason, I decided to start drinking some gin and then <laughs> everyone leaves and I'm, I'm laying in bed with my girlfriend and we're watching, um, uh, we're watching a, a movie and then like I start wanting to have sex and she doesn't want to. <laughs> and then I feel it in my, in the pit of my stomach. There it is. That anger. There's the anger. There's the anger, but I'm drunk, but there it is. There's the angry thing. And I'm not going to react. I'm not going to. And then it's, I'm like, why, what? You don't love me anymore. Is that what it is? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden pure reaction, just vile, drunken, angry, crap starts just pouring out of my mouth slurred words and and but for one moment it was like i'm not going to do this i'm not going down this path but i went down the path and it and it you know it was stupid and then the next morning and that then it's just like a two days of apologies (laughs) i'm so uh, i have a mantra for you uh my friend told me that whenever this kind of thing happens in a relationship here's the mantra I'm so very, very sorry, and I'll never do it again. Okay? <laughs> that is the mantra. You should have. Man, that's amazing because I honestly, I swear I chanted that for two days straight. <laughs> yeah, <here. bet. laughs> oh, God, that's so great. Uh, Duncan, so um, going back to the uh, show, to Joe's show. Yes. Um, we talked about the one interesting thing, which interested it, you know, got you interested. But what, you know, so the rest of the conspiracy theories and 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 all of that. I mean, we we know what they are, and we've experienced them in so many ways. Nine Eleven being the biggest one, right? But you know, some you know when you start talking about uh, you know outer sp- UFOs taking us over, you know, all that kind of you know really paranoid stuff, uh, the end of the world stuff. Now, how do you deal with that? With your podcast audience in relation to you, you sometimes, and I get the feeling where 
sort of two hats. You know, the one hat, because you, you know, we've talked about it on our podcast, you know, how you, uh, you know, how you, how can we go on with these people eavesdropping on us? I mean, how can we take one more second? What are we going to do? So you wear that kind of hat. Uh, and then the other hat is what you just described, a, you know, a being who's, you know, who's working day to day with his insides to get them straightened out. So how well, do you deal with this stuff that you did with Joe related to your audience and those two hats? Well, this is your fault, Raghu. I <laughs> I was, it's not like I wear two different hats. It's just, it, at one point I was totally fine with wearing that hat of, you know, sort of re- like uh, being in a constant paranoid state and kind of enjoying that or, or not even considering that this thing that I was seeing in the world is this malicious, all-devouring, reptilian, dragon, imperial beast mm. was just a projection, probably, of this thing inside of me that is an all-consuming imperial reptilian beast that just wants control and power and to be important. And it's weird how the more you sort of become aware of the the, 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 the conspiracy is in you, mm-hmm. how that you stop seeing the conspiracy outside of you as much. Or, or you just... At least uh, me personally, it's not like I'm apathetic about it, but I just, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's imagine the entire city's on fire. Well, am I going to start putting the fire out by going to the city hall? No, I should put my, the fire, my house out first, get that fire out and then go to, you know, and then Mm -hmm. if, if, if all my neighbors are getting the fire out at their house. You know, maybe when I'm done getting the fire out at my house, I can go help my neighbor get their fire out. And then we can go to the next person's house and then soon we'll get all the fires out. But if everyone's running around trying to put, you know, I don't know. That's a weird example. But yeah, I I just I stopped caring as much about it because I've I'm dealing with more of a I don't want to be an asshole anymore. And if there's reptilians running the planet, then I still don't want to be an asshole. And I think that I have to deal with that first, and then I'll then I'll fight the alien overlords. But after with, I'm yeah. yeah, sorry to interrupt you. No, I'm You're, sorry. You'll fight the alien overlords after you become straightened out yourself. Yeah, yeah, I, man, absolutely. That's the idea. The, I'm going to fight the alien overlords when I stop telling people in traffic to fuck off. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's when I'm ready, I think, to to really do this stuff. It's an interesting thing, man. You know, it really is a curious thing how, like, it's no, it doesn't seem to really be much a joke. Like, when you start, uh, when, you, when you just realize that you, I just started, you know, realizing that I, I don't want to always be, hurting people around me mm-hmm. because I'm selfish or, or self-absorbed. Yeah. And I don't know. Now I sound like I'm patting myself on no, the no, back. But, but it's also you don't want to be the person that's broadcasting it. I mean, and I don't just mean like radio or podcast, but just, you know, people who are like Alex Jones. I mean, I don't know Alex, you know, but 
I've listened to his show. And when he talks about how the entire world is basically a conspiracy, it's just every time and it's all the time and it doesn't spread anything except further paranoia. So it's kind of, I mean, I, I have nothing deep to say about it except that it seems weird to do that as a living unless you're absolutely certain that that's the only way you're going to redeem everybody. And you've just said it. It's not what happens. You don't do that. So, but that doesn't mean that, you, you know, if all the conspiracies are untrue, that would be weird too. Yeah. Some of them are true. But I mean, the JFK thing, I'm sorry. I've, ne- I've always felt exactly the same way about it. Mm-hmm. It was a profound, complex, and brilliant conspiracy, just like 9-11. They decided to wipe him out because he'd made really big mistakes with very powerful people who gave a shit that he was a president. The mafia, the Cubans who he didn't, he didn't protect in the Bay of Pigs. And the, the the people that really wanted him out of there. And Robert Kennedy's brother suddenly decided to prosecute all the big guys in the mafia of the Cosa Nostra. This little combination, as Oliver Stone said, was a real conspiracy. And it can be actually verified in many ways. That I can believe. 9-11, honestly, just to get on that for a minute, because I was right there in New York when it happened. Uh, I don't think that was a conspiracy except between uh, various forms of Al-Qaeda. And when people say, you know, George Bush did it and all that, I wasn't a fan of Bush or Cheney or any of those idiots. But to say that's a conspiracy seems like foolishness to me. The planes flew past my apartment building. We know the planes hit the buildings. So well, then, you, when, can... you know, when people just, just briefly, when people start putting out that stuff all the time, it creates a weird nervous atmosphere in the, in the community, which may not be based on anything but someone's personal paranoia and anger as you just so eloquently put it you can follow it down i mean you here's here's a this isn't a conspiracy people make money from bombs not a conspiracy bombs kill people so people make money from killing people okay well then follow that down further well who are the people making the bombs well people making bombs are definitely i would say probably are not spending a lot of time meditating in the morning I can't, it would be hard to imagine a person having a nice 30-minute meditation session and then going to Halliburton to pitch his idea for a new form of cluster bomb to evaporate people in other countries. So you sort of follow the thing backwards and you you inevitably end up at this this thing, which is that I think people are projecting the this the 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 this thing they don't want to acknowledge inside of themselves out onto the world and then they're waging war against that and then that's where all the problems are coming from and so it seems like you're 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 sort of like okay well let's imagine you've got a tree and the tree has flowers growing off of it that smell horrible and so you're always pulling the flowers off the tree but they keep growing back. It's like, no. Meanwhile, you're pulling the flowers off the tree, and every morning you're coming out and watering the roots of the damn thing. Why is this tree stinking all the time? Well, it's because you're, you know, you're trimming the flowers off, but you keep watering the roots. And that seems to be the big, that's the big conspiracy. The big conspiracy is we're always attacking these external things in the world and as though the world is horrible, and then we're watering the roots of our anger with constantly l- allowing anger to overcome us. And, you know, I water the roots with booze, <laughs> you know, like I'll water the roots with like eating bad food, 
eating too much sugar, eat, you know, just toxifying my body so that I feel awful all the time. And then if you feel awful, you tend to be more reactive. And then if you're more reactive, then that will create more turbulence in the world around you. And then when there's more turbulence, that confirms your apprehension that you might be living in hell. And then when you believe you live in hell, then you, if you're living in hell, then why not just be a demon and start poking people with a pitchfork because everything sucks. And that creates that weird endless spiral uh, down into being a miserable person for countless incarnations. So we, we, I think we have now the idea to start a movement. And uh, based on you know, everything you said, I think our, our club should be uh, something along the lines of dealing with your inner alien intruder. Yes. <laughs> right? So because it all comes down to it, unless we can deal with that inner alien intruder and controller and conspiracy... Because that's what's going on. We're just buying into it inside ourselves. Unless that happens, nothing, nothing is going to happen. And you want to know, his, again, the couple of weeks ago that I, I, I saw His Holiness at Darshan, uh, he said, he started talking about just this kind of thing. There, you know, boy, we have gigantic environmental problems. The, the, the disparity between the, the wealthy and the poor, the, um, the internecine wars that are going on all over the globe, um, the just the concept of the separate—it's us and them—and that that idea, which is the foundation for all of this other stuff. He said there is no government on earth that is going to do anything to help that. Mm. There, the and this was at the time when all that standoff, right, with the Republicans uh, regarding uh, financing the budget, um, and he said, and Congress is not going to help either. He put a little dig there, and nor is the White House. He said, there is only one way for us to deal with these problems, and that is to go and correct our insights. He didn't say in those words, but it was take inner action. And, and that's what you're talking about, and that's what you know, we've been talking about over and over and over. But let me just ask you, I want to go back to your audience, because in general, not your audience, but most audiences, including us, if there was a TV show on that was ranting about something that we, you know, like right now, you know, Ted Cruz, if it was ranting about that, we'd go right in there and go, right, that mother... You know, yeah. we'd go crazy, right? We'd lose it all in about three seconds, like, a, you know, a 16-year-old getting laid for the first time. Okay, we'd be that. Okay, so there is a tremendous entertainment value in this stuff, big time. So it's easy to, um, you know, for people to get bored when they're not getting it. So uh, is that, uh, what's the relationship with you? Because I know you've done a lot of this stuff in the past around conspiracies and Riley yeah, but I audience. never did that stuff because I thought I that's I mean when I was doing that stuff it wasn't like oh here's something that's going to entertain people it was just me howling out something that I was you know currently obsessed with and that's the funny thing about podcasting is as opposed to being a TV host or something is because when you're a TV host you know when even like a comedy TV host like David Letterman or John Stewart or Jay Leno you get locked into this persona where you're well this is who I'm supposed to be all the time I guess from now on you know I'm the guy who's just like believes this thing or Bill O'Reilly 
you know, or, or Glenn Beck or, or, you know, Nancy Grace or any of these personas. It's like no one stays the same way. But if you're a t- the illusion t- TV gives us is, is this illusion that a human's identity is always like that. But it's like, no, people, people change and, and grow. And I think that's what's cool about podcasting is it's, it's like you don't have to stick in some dumb persona. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I would, I would just quit podcasting and I would quit doing it if I thought that I always had to, like, mm-hmm. you know, be this way or that way. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I, the problem with it is, you know, I, there, there, there are things that I've said in the depths of depression when podcasting, which I don't uh, believe anymore. And I'm, I feel bad for somebody who just listens to that episode and decides that's what I believe mm. because it, 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 but then I, there, I can't do anything about that. I'm not going to go back and erase things to try to fit in with what I currently am thinking yeah. because no, God so. knows that's going to change too. Yeah. And I, and and I also think that this idea that human beings only want to be fed uh, you know diets of catastrophe and and violence and 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 conflict I think that might just be something propagated by the mass media that's gotten habituated to that kind of media I think There's that- no question about that Duncan no question because you know in in the 1970s and 80s there were conglomerates that were designed to market and show radio stations and television stations, local stations, you know, that are all called eyewitness news. There were plans. There were ways. It's not a matter of conspiracy. It's a matter of this is what people seem to like, and we've got a headline with that. So, you know, in New York, that's all I know because I live there, is the headlines on the local news are unbelievable. I mean, they start with, you know, uh, a child was shot by mistake and died later in bedford Stuy because two gangsters, and they start with that. Always. Yeah. The most violent thing they start with. So it creates an addictive thing whereby viewers who are tired and maybe just do not want to hear the good news, whatever, you know, will get off on it. And that, we don't mean that you were entertaining them. It's just that it became an entertainment thing for millions of Americans to hear catastrophe. Yeah. And that's yeah. the problem. That, the, and, yeah. and I think you're right. The media are responsible for that. We're all responsible for allowing the media to be like that. You know? It's well, fun. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, you please go ahead. You please. What is, yes, what is please. this? Downton Abbey all of a sudden? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that on NBC the other night in the news, Brian, what's his name? Williams. Brian, Brian Williams said, well, now we're going to have a very uplifting news segment which we try to bring once in a while because, as you know, most of the news we bring is pretty horrible. I mean, he out and out said it. It was so weird. That's hilarious. And by the way, you don't want to be the advertiser that is that, that is is on before the uplifting news segment because that's oh, where right. everyone well, turns no, the channel. Duncan, CNN now started a new morning show called New Day with uh, Chris Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo's brother, uh, son or other. And, you know, they have a piece every morning at 8.30, I think it is, called Good Stuff. Uh. And they show, you know, military coming home from Afghanistan and their wives hugging them or dogs saving children drowning in rivers. And they do it. And it's like five minutes and then it's back to the bad stuff. And it's, you know, it's what it is. It's what television is. Here's a question. Why do people like to be to, to see horrible things? And I think the reason people like to see horrible things is because... Those horrible, we are all subconsciously fishing for the hidden shark 
swimming around inside of us because we know that if we can get that shark to change or get it out of us or whatever you want to call it, then we will not be hurting as much anymore. And so that is why people want to watch these horrible things because it creates this that old classic feeling that it brings to the surface this thing hidden inside of us. And people want to feel that. And, and, and it's not because they're masochistic. It's because subconsciously, when you get to catch these glimpses of the sea monster swimming around in your heart, then if <laughs> you are mindful of the thing, then you can begin to change it. And that's why people want to see this stuff. Actually, it's the problem is they're just they're only going to want, they're only dealing with one half of the equation, which is summoning the thing up. And then the next half of the equation is like, oh, okay, okay, there's that feeling. There it is again, that sense of horror, that feeling of anger, sadness, whatever it is that watching someone die in the news makes you feel. Well, the, the, the next part, I suppose, is just mindfulness and be aware of the fact that this thing is inside of me no matter what. It's just these little things outside of me are the bait that pulls it up. And... I think that's why we want 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 to see this stuff. It's not because we're all disgusting, voyeuristic, no. horrible things. It's because we know that if we can, if we can have enough time with this white whale or whatever the thing is inside of us, then it'll change. And then when that thing changes, then I think that's where you can really start feeling ha uh, happiness. And and um and that's why people want that stuff. Well, there's a, a in a little more complex way. I think many many people. I mean, we all have certain habitual things going on, I mean, and they can be from eating habits to, to mental habits, emotional habits, whatever it may be. And we all we're used to it. We're used to feeling a certain way. And when you stop feeling a certain way. You, it can get very scary. And, and that's what happens to many people who go on to the spiritual path. And after some time, when the onion layers peel and you start to really relate with these disturbing emotions, which is what you're talking about, um, as you actually lose attachment to them, that can be a really scary thing. It's like taking acid and losing your identity you get really scared. Yep. And so that is a, so I think we're used to a lot of this stuff and you know how people, you know, in these war torn lands, they are used to this killing, depravity, torture, God knows, rape, whatever it is. And it becomes, they become, it be, first they become callous, um, you know, and, but secondly, in our own lives, in not such extreme circumstances, we absolutely are used to feeling shitty <laughs> a lot of the time. Yes. And, and the only way out that, that, I mean, in my own experience, is, is what you're speaking of, which is being mindful. Just basically start to, becoming, to become aware of this stuff. And then it really helps to have a spiritual friend. And that's what a guru is. It really, I mean, it doesn't have to be a live physical thing. And I want to tell you, you talk about way back in the beginning of this conversation, you talked about Maharaji as, you know, boy, this kind of a person showed us this, that, or the other. You want to know something? When I yeah. first met him, 
the first few minutes, I had several thoughts that I remember to this day. And one of them was, shit, this isn't even a person. This is just a something that is just feels so great. I just feel so great, and I'm not lost in anything. Um, I mean, you know, I didn't have these thoughts. It was just, this is not a person. This is something that just knows the right thing to do. It just an, it's an isness that is just doing, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, and then, and of course, he had a personality in that physical body, and he was fun and laughed and he was like the guy you passed in the park with the dog i mean you know was it a high-pitched laugh by the way yeah i don't know that it was <laughs> i don't think it was an audible man but yeah i you know i it was like a no i don't remember what it sounded like uh, and uh i um i'm just kidding I, because you know the reality is we've been told that uh if if you if he came in the form that we all know you know, like the pictures, uh, you know, for those who didn't meet him in the body, it doesn't matter if we can't, you know, you, you, that would be hard to handle. We, we've been told by people who, who know, um, that, uh, this, this would happen in a way that you would not physically recognize. So, you know, that, that's a truism. Um, yeah, and, man, I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't, again, like I said, I think what it more just creates this situation where you get to project lessons onto, everything or you get to everything suddenly becomes this uh a key yeah. you know to, to yeah. get to get you out of your your weird and stuff be, but man i gotta tell you there are please. so many coincidences that have happened you know ever since you told me that you can like uh you know you could pray or you could communicate or you could uh ask things of neem carol i so many weird things have happened like i can remember once this happened i don't know if i talked about this on your podcast and it's things that happen where you're like oh well that's wouldn't even work in a movie it's so ridiculous but like i i can remember way back when as i like you know sort of just struggling with like depression and 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 my uh my mom having cancer and, and having died and just like praying and, and looking at this picture of Neem Carolee Bobby and like and, and, and thinking what do I do just can, can you tell me what I'm supposed to do here and there's a knock I swear to God there's a knock at my door exactly after this and I open the door and there's a box there from a girl I dated in college who knew that my mom had died and in the box was a translation of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. And I remember yeah. thinking like that that wouldn't work. That is so absurd that if that was in a movie people would think that's the most cheesy dumb thing I've ever seen. Mm. You know, it's that kind of stuff starts happening where it's almost garish and Here's, it's yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like cheesy dumb uh stuff uh related to uh you're saying, you know, the guy in the park was just, you know, as I start to see everything is just perfectly serving me to become free. And I take it that way. And so everything becomes a key. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't thinking he was Maharaji or anything like that. Right. right? That's true. But here's another truth that's just as true. A woman was on a bus in London, okay? 
and uh, a man comes and sits down beside her who is just twinkling and glowing, kind of like the man that passed you in the park. Yes. And she kept looking at him, and she was absolutely, like, gone completely out of her body. I mean, she just... Okay? The guy got off. The man got off the bus. Right? And she went on to her destination. She, she looks in a book, or she gets Be Here Now, I guess, and looks in, in, in the front page is, is Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba. And she goes, holy shit, that's who was on the bus with me. <laughs> and she goes yeah. to, this is back in the day when he was still alive. She goes to India, okay, and finds him and meets him. And got, and got completely confirmed that that was him on the bus. I don't remember exactly what was said, what he said, but he, something like, you know, he used to say, do this all the time. Uh, you know, he'd say, so how was the, that bus ride? Was that nice? You got off on, you know, he'd say something that made you know exactly that he was there, completely present in all parts right. of your life. But this, she met him on the bus while he was still in a body, okay? I mean, we, we're doing a book now, by the way. We're putting together everybody's stories who followed over to India after meeting Ramdas and what their whole experience was. And That's this, cool. this is one of them, okay? One of the many, many, many. So as much as it's true that the really the only thing that matters is that once you, as I said, take that responsibility of awareness and then, you know, that's, what, that's all we need to do. And then these things, these keys that you call them, will naturally arise as a result. And, and you know, I think that the the antidote to the skepticism that you should naturally have, you know, people, some people hearing this are going to roll their eyes and just think it sounds like absolute new age, hippy dippy, drug addled nonsense. And I understand that. I totally understand that. And I have a very, very skeptical believe it or not a very very skeptical side of myself that uh but but the the thing about being skeptical is you have to acknowledge the hits as well as the misses mm -hmm. and you you can't just get to the denial 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 this isn't happening it can't be happening when things happen they happen and 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 you have to acknowledge that and um and and res and respect that but and and you and know, if yeah, I, I'm I'm cutting in because I've just the way that this has happened to you is that you met Ramdas, uh, you know, not necessarily physically, right? Although you did meet him physically I later, I did. But you met Ramdas and you heard his story. I met him. I heard the story. I totally trusted him. I totally. It wasn't a matter of believed with my mind. I experienced whatever he got. I experienced it from him, and that made me want to go over like the girl on the bus. I had to find that thing, and I went over and did find it. And and in the same, so you experience that, you have trust in that, so that obviates any skepticism ultimately. And then you meet other people who had that same experience, and they, you know, it's a virus that you get. Love is a virus. Once <laughs> yeah. you have it. You give it to everybody who's around you. I mean, that's uh, Christian us talks about that. Um, so uh, we're gonna we're we're our sponsors won't allow any more time for our Fine. show. And but our sponsors, 
haven't even been spoken for. But you no, know, I thought I'd ask Duncan. Can you you do a commercial for us? Okay. For, for, Who are your sponsors? Yeah, Amazon and Audible. Amazon, Audible, T-shirts, mugs, donations. However, you can possibly support us. Okay, friends. First of all, what's your what's your uh, what's their your Audible address? Mindrollingpodcast.com, and you can just go hit there, link to Audible right there. Do you remember your link? It's Audible Trial forward slash something? Yeah. Uh, Audible Trial forward slash, oh, Audible Trial dot com. We don't know. We're just, Audible, just go to Audible the banner. Trial, Audible Trial forward slash. Mindrolling. Anyway, go, go to my, here's the thing about Audible, for those of you who haven't done, taken advantage of this, and this is going to, this is, this is what's there on Audible right now. There is um, Google search Pima Children, and there are some amazing 37-hour, 40-hour audiobooks, which are recordings of her uh, retreats. One of the one I'm listening to is on love. I can't remember what it's called. It's something of it. Just look up Pima Children Love. It's 36 hours. It's recorded in a monastery. And it normally costs, I think, like 130 bucks, 120 bucks. If you sign up for a trial membership through Audible, you get a free audiobook and you can can't cancel. So what that means is you can get a 36 hour Pima Children retreat essentially for free if you don't want to keep using Audible. Uh, and that's a, that's pretty badass because in the first it this. Th I don't know. I mean, I'll admit, I've just become the guy who's almost 40 listening to spiritual tapes, just like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's great. It's a really, really it's an it's a amazing lecture series, and there's tons of stuff by Ramdas on there. So the point is, for zero, you can get you know, 36 hours. That is so much treadmill time. That is so much cleaning. I'll listen to these things while I'm cleaning, <laughs> walking the dog, anything that bores you. If you're in a, a relationship that's ending and you're trying to ignore that you are living in a dissolving hell world that you must escape from, these audiobooks will at least buy you some time uh, uh, to procrastinate the thing that you know you have to do anyway. And they're also great if you're on a plane riding in a car. They're uh, fantastic for uh, any situation that you're trying to ignore. When you're in line, you can be go. You can be at a retreat. So that is why Audible is really cool. Go to uh, mindrolling.com and mindrolling podcast. Mindrolling. We have to have the podcast because we stole the mindrolling. Yeah, and if if it doesn't come up, just get rid of your ad blocker for that moment and go and to also, the. You know, you have to do that, or you, we won't see it if you have ad blockers. We have to keep gets, saying. It gives these guys uh, every time you anyone who does that, it gives them fifteen bucks. So it's a way for you to donate to this magnificent podcast while getting a free retreat. We're talking. This is the equivalent of fusion here. It's one of these weird products of industry hitting the internet it's a form of uh it's a it's a this is probably going way too deep but it's a matter it's like a matter assimilator it's like nobody loses here you get a digital download for free these guys get 15 bucks you get enlightenment they're able to buy four coffees from that 15 dollars. <laughs> that's fantastic also 
The other weird thing that you can do is go through their Amazon portal, uh, and which is you don't have to Amazon.com if by some you've been living in a cave or you've just come out of a coma. Amazon is uh, an online store that has everything, literally everything. Over the last few days, I've bought a Halloween costume that will make it look like I am riding an ostrich. I have purchased. <laughs> I've purchased uh, uh, ro- bondage <laughs> ropes. I've purchased uh, All uh, right. paper towels. <laughs> paper towels. <laughs> if you go to the Amazon portal, no, uh, if you go through their Amazon portal, then a very uh, a small percentage of what you buy uh, goes to these guys. So and they're very honorable, another Duncan. another way for right? you living your life yeah. to support the Mind Rolling Podcast, That's which, cool. by the way, my association with these two people – and has honestly created some of the most dramatic, radical changes uh, in in my consciousness, um, uh, which is why uh, you you should help these fellas out because it's a great podcast. Support the podcast world. Where else hey. do you get this kind of entertainment? What do you want to listen to? Pierce Morgan spraying <laughs> verbal diarrhea into your brain and and go go to work in the morning feeling like somebody just punched you in the solar plexus. No. <laughs> Go to mindrollingpodcast.com. Now, David, uh, I want to tell you something before we have to leave here. Uh-huh. Did you hear this fantastic rendition of, of uh, you know, a, a, an advertisement for poor old Mind Rolling Podcast? No, we it, should give I him mean, a percentage. Un- I mean, it's we have, I don't know. what we, I don't think we can give him anything. It's just so superlative to the... <laughs> to the tepid crap that we try and beg people to support us. I mean, it's why Duncan is living in a castle in L.A. because his show, he's just, he's made, I mean, the money is rolling in. And here, you and I, I mean, literally, I mean, yesterday he said to me, I, you know, can you get me a drink? Because I, I could only, you know, he had only enough money for a sandwich. No, that's okay. it's not. Just stop. You know, because people are just going to not believe this, and it's not, no, it's not true. Li- you, listen, here's the thing. You guys. No, we know. need money for, you know, for microphones and stuff. Well, whatever. That's the, bullshit, it, too. You don't have to say what you need the money for. It's like that's, that's a whole weird illusion thing. The, 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 the idea, look, you got, like, when you watch we have TV, we have when you watch TV, you don't see uh, anyone on TV saying, listen, you guys, we got to show you these advertisements because we got to, you know, we need a new camera for the <laughs> show. It's just like, no, they're, they're, the idea is that it's a, a transaction. And, uh, what's really super cool about this kind of micro entertainment is that um, is that it creates content that is you can't find anywhere else on the on the planet right now. And I think that there is real value there, and there's nothing to be ashamed of uh, about uh, getting money for that or being compensated for that. Because the more you know, shows like your show uh become increasingly popular then the more uh i think the, the entertainment and the big scale will start shifting too as people realize that uh the world does not want to be urinated on by bill o'reilly every night they yeah. want actual stuff that can make them feel better and also it's like you're going to go to amazon.com anyway the whole point of all this stuff is mm. it's like it really isn't as though you're giving a handout. It's like when you're going to Amazon.com to 
buy whatever it is that you're going to buy there, and they have everything. You can buy tarot cards. You can buy pentacle tapestries. You can buy video games. You can buy... Uh, bondage, fl- bondage. Flavored, flavored lubricants. You can buy bondage ropes. You can buy blindfolds. You can buy... Yes. Butt plugs. Okay. All right. Let's uh, see. You know, we got this. We got this. Way too visual. <laughs> we got um, this. Now, okay. So, uh, thank you, Duncan. That was great. Yeah. No, thank you. We really thank you very much. It. And we appreciate <laughs> the analogy that our our podcast be, could become an alternative to getting pissed on. That that's uh, that's something we can aspire to. All right. We, we're going to go with that. We love you, Duncan. Love you. Love you you are our guru, and uh, thanks for sharing with us and. Uh, David, uh, we will see you next week.